I am, I am excited uh, about the message. Now, I say that because not most of the time I am excited about the message um, because if my process, we all have a process. So my process is I don't write the message until I, heard, I have heard from God. Um, in, in other words, I'm okay to stand up here with nothing if God hasn't spoken. Uh, but I don't want to bring you just something that I thought up. And, and after years and years of preaching, I can think up a lot of stuff. Um, but, but my process is I will go sit down with the Lord and I will say, God, what do you want to say to your people? And so then, then when I get the word, then, then I get excited. Then I start building the message based on the word. Then I get more excited. So I say that to say, um, um, that almost like a chef who has, who has worked a recipe to come up with a new dish. This is my excitement and I'm ready for you to try it. And I'm just saying, if you like the cooking, let the chef know somebody. Amen. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right. So, so help me out and let's work this out together. Uh, we're going to go to Mark's gospel, Mark chapter two, Mark chapter two. And we're in a series of messages that, that we called faith forward, faith forward. Uh, and what we said is there's really no other way to go forward. That if you want to move forward with what God has for your life, what God has planned for your life, God's purposes for you, um, if you want to move forward in God's calling on your life, the potential that he has placed in your life, the only way to move forward is faith. You need no faith for your plan for your life. But you need a lot of faith for God's plan for your life. Because God, God by his, his sovereign idea, plan, creativity. He has a plan and a purpose for you that, look at this, that is beyond your capacity. So it will, it will entail that you, you have to depend on his ability. He puts your purpose beyond your capacity. So you have to depend on his ability and not just your ability. And so that's why the writer of Hebrews can say in all confidence, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, without faith, you can't live the life God created you for. God has, he has ordained that you're going to have to trust him. You do not have to trust him to live the life you want to live for you, but to go above and beyond into that, into that great far and away, right? To, to, to go to infinity and beyond. Come on, Buzz Lightyear. You're going to have to trust God. Okay. And that's what we said as a people. We just want to try. We don't want to play church. We don't just have church. No, 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 no. We want to change the world, which means we have to trust God because we can't change the world. In and of now, I can go to church. I don't need faith to go to church, but I need faith to leave church and change the world. Come on, somebody. And so that's what we've been talking about. So we're in Mark's gospel, uh, chapter two, verse one. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to read uh, one, of the, one of the greatest. I, it's, just so, it's just fun. Anyway, we're going to have fun. I believe you should have fun in church. We're going to have fun. We're going to be inspired and we're going to leave here just ready to tackle something even after we eat because you may be hungry and you may want to leave here and you're ready to tackle a hamburger but after the hamburger come on somebody we're going to tackle change in the world right all right so um mark chapter 2 verse 1 um i feel like you're ready are you ready i feel like you're ready come on let's get a little limbered up here yeah there it is i'm ready now all right come on a few days later when jesus again entered capernaum the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such a large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they couldn't get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through the roof and they lowered the man on the mat down through the roof. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? How you can, how you can spot a religious person yeah. is when God is moving, they're criticizing. I so want to do a series called Losing My Religion. I just do. I just want to do it. But anyways, God had let me do it. I got notes for it. God just had let me do it. But it says, this man can't do who forgives sins. God alone. Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. That's intense. 
There's several times in scripture where Jesus answers somebody's thoughts and they still didn't get it. Because if I sit here thinking, like, who's he think he is? And all of a sudden he said, let me tell you who I think I am. You know, I mean, I would be freaking, but not them, like, but anyways, religion is dumb. And so he said, why are you thinking these things? What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your bat, take your mat and walk. But what I want you to know is that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, now I tell you, take your mat and go home. And he got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. That's called grace in your face, religious people right there. Anyways, in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have seen, we've never seen anything like this. Never seen anything like this. Never seen anything in full view of them all, never seen anything like this. Now, you, if, you, if you know me, you might have a chance of guessing my title. But if you don't, here it is. I call this message, Raise the Roof. Come on, raise the roof, somebody. And so <laughs> let us pray together, God. Um, it's just fun being in your presence, God. And I know you have fun too. Um, Dallas Willard said, you, you've got to be the most joyous person to ever live because you can view in entirety the totality of the beauty of your creation all at the same time. And so, God, you're a fun God. We thank you that you're a fun God. We're going to have fun in your presence. But, God, while we are in your presence, if we just have fun, it wouldn't be enough. But, God, we want to receive, God, your words that are, that are truly born of your spirit. You said your words are spirit and they are life. God, that's what we want. We want words by your spirit that bring life. God, that revive our souls. God, that strengthen and encourage our hearts, that renew our minds. God, so that we could never be the same when we leave here because we will have been changed to look more like you, to think more like you, to talk more like you, to act more like you, to become more like you. Holy Spirit, come now. Speak to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so Jesus was originally from Nazareth. That was his hometown. But when he begins his ministry, you can read this in Luke chapter four, Nazareth rejects him. And so he moves to Capernaum to set up shop, which was really a strategic crossroads, a lot of, uh, a lot of industry, a, a lot of trade route. There's a major thoroughfare right through Capernaum. And, and so it really, really was a better place. But, but it was interesting because what you may not know is, is that Nazareth rejected him and he moved to Capernaum to start his ministry. But that was actually prophesied in Isaiah chapter nine, several, like six, 700 years before Jesus was actually born. Uh, in fact, just side note, if you're wondering, should I trust Jesus? Is Jesus really who he says he is? The Old Testament has, or, or within the Old Testament, consists, um, um, some people would say 350 messianic uh, promises or prophecies. When I read it, I see 54 messianic prophecies and 300 messianic promises of which Jesus was the answer to all. Having said that, the, the probability... Of any person, now these are prophecies that happen some thousands, but some hundreds of years before Jesus is actually born and he fulfills them all, like where he is born, what, what the town's going to be called, move, even just moving to Capernaum. The, the chances of any one person fulfilling just eight, not 54 prophecies, not, not 350 promises, but, but just eight prophecies would be one in 10 to the 17th power. So that's a, that's a 10 with like 17 zeros after it, or one with 17 zeros after, right? And, and, and so I don't know what that number is, like gazillion or something like that. I don't know what it is, but, but I do know, like if you want a picture of the probability of someone fulfilling eight or, or one in, in 10 to the 17th power, the probability, if we stacked uh, silver dollars, one on top of the other, over the entire state of Texas, two foot deep, but we had marked one of them, and we blindfolded you and put you in the center of the state, you would have a greater probability of finding that one, one we had marked, now you only get one shot, than someone would have had fulfilling eight Messianic pro pro prophecies. So if you're just hearing like, I don't know, is Jesus, I'm just saying maybe I'll trust him. All that to say. I think he'd be who he says he'd be. You know what I'm saying? 
And so now Jesus has moved to Capernaum. He's probably hanging out at Peter's house. This is Peter's house. Um, I think that's why if you read the gospel of Matthew, um, you read the gospel of Matthew, Matthew doesn't talk about the roof being torn off. But Mark, who, who used Peter as a source to write his gospel, I think Peter's like, and Mark, tell them, they tore my roof up. Tell them they straight up tore my roof off to get this man in. Because it was important. It all depends on your perspective. It was important, important to Peter. Now, I had to go to Home Depot. After this incident, everybody's celebrating. Well, now rain was coming. I, anyways, so they're there. Um, and so we've been talking about faith, and I want to I continue that. And this message is a little different. And I'll tell you where it comes from really quickly. We, we have prayer uh, at the church, uh, Tuesdays at 6 a.m. Worship, we have worship and then prayer. Uh, it's Tuesdays at 6 and Thursdays at 6 a.m. And then Saturdays at 9. I'd love for you to join us. I, I believe the strength of a church is always its prayer meeting. And I want our church to be strong. So I'd love for you to come and join us if, if you're able to do that. Um, but we were in a prayer meeting in this particular one. I, I was going to lead prayer. And so we'd been having worship and I came out and I want to lead prayer and I was praying. And, and obviously where we're at, one of the things I pray about a lot is, is the building where God has given us this word. I'm trusting God, but, but we still need, you know, roughly five and a half million dollars, I think, to finish the building. We are just getting going in construction. And I think I told you last week about my friend said, wow, you have such great faith because the way we're doing it, which is we said, God, when we have enough to get going, we're going to get going. We're going to trust you. And, and if, if we, you know, we're not going to borrow the money. And if we have to, we'll just stop and trust you some more, which will cost us more money. We understand. So, so he said, you have great faith. And I said, well, some say great faith. Some say great stupidity. You'll have to hang around to the end to see which one it was. And so we were just praying and, and I felt compelled just, you know, God, we just want to trust you and we're believing you. And when I started praying, all of a sudden I, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I don't want you to trust me that I can pay for this building. Now, when he said that, that got my attention because that didn't sound right. <laughs> Has God ever said something to you that you're like, Mur? that doesn't sound right, Jesus. Is that you, Lord? That could, you know, I'm kind of hungry. It could just be, it could just, and, and, and so I just paused and all of a sudden I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to believe and trust me that I could pay for other churches' buildings through your church, through this church. Wow. Now, now you're amen and I'm amen and two. But I felt like my faith was pretty much redlined as it was. <laughs> like, you know, when you're red, how many know when you've been redlining faith? Like, gee, I can't believe you anymore, Jesus. Like, you got to come through Help me, Lord. I got my faith pegged out. I ain't got no more room, Jesus. Like the motor's running as fast as it's going to run. It's going to burn up, Jesus. And then he's like, no, I need you to believe me a little bit more. You're like, what? You know? And that's what I felt like. But then I got excited because, oh, man. And when we started the initiative, we gave away. First thing we did before we ever did anything on the land, the first thing we did was we gave $50,000 to a church who needed a building. And that's the way we, way we started. And, and, and I remember that was so much fun because <laughs> I called that pastor. And I said, hey, I um, heard y'all, you know, we're trying to get a building. Yeah, we're trying to get a building. And I said, um, you know, we felt like the Holy Spirit has spoken and we're going to send you $50,000 with that help. And he just started crying, you know, and, 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 and that was fun, right? And I thought, yeah, Lord, that'd be, that'd be fun. And all of a sudden I thought, oh, and, and here's the, the filter. Now I'm going to give you three principles of faith. But here is the filter that I want you to, to put them through. Because you can just take the, the principles of, of, of faith that I'm going to teach you and, and just say, and you can just use them in, in your everyday life for you. But what if you, you could use them through this lens? What would it be like to lend your faith to someone who needed it? What would it be like to say, if you don't have faith, let me, let me have faith for you? out of the abundance of what God has done in my life and my trust and my relationship with him, you may not be able to believe for your marriage, but what if I could join with you and I could believe for you? You may not be able to believe for your healing, but what if I could join? You may not be able to believe that God can do something with your husband, but what if I join? You may not be able to believe that God can do something with your business, but what if I join with you? And what if I put my faith, what if I just loaned you my faith? Wouldn't that be it? Wouldn't that be right? Wouldn't that be something? Because, because as, as, we're, as we're reading this passage, 
as we're reading this passage, there's, there's just some things that jump out to me and I want to share them with you. So write this down. Point number one, write this down. Um, I think faith was meant to be driven by purpose and not problems. I think faith is, is better orientated around purpose and not problems, right? Because look at, look at what we see in this text. Look at this. Mark 2, verse 3. Here comes some men bringing a paralyzed man carried by four of them, right? Do you know what's missing in this whole passage? It never talks about the four men's problems. Is it not safe to assume that they had problems? Let's just take a quick survey just for a moment. Is there anyone in this room... <laughs> Or watching by, watching by computer or phone or wherever, online, wherever you are. Is there anybody that you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I can't think of one problem. Like, you know, I, when's the last time I can't, you know, I mean, I just, life's just good. You know, I just want to. Good to be me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't think of a problem. If you're here and you don't have a problem and can't think of a problem, will you please stand up? We want to hate you publicly. Hands stand up. <laughs> That's what I thought. Nobody stood up. Right? Is it safe to assume they have problems? Because everybody's got, some of you got 99 problems. Everybody's got problems. Right? Everybody's got problems. I can assure you, I've got problems. And when I look at this, this is what's amazing to me. It is not their problems that prompt the activity that we witness here. It is purpose. Because they said, hey, what if we could get our friend to Jesus? Now, you know they had problems, and they probably had problems that Jesus could fix. If they had a tax bill, he could at least send them fishing. But their faith was not orientated around their problems. It was, it was all centered. It was fixed on a purpose. It was organized around a purpose. Could I get... And, and think about this. When we go back to the garden before everything went south, right? Right? Go back to the garden, and here you have Adam and Eve. Let me show you this. Adam and Eve are created by God, and they are in the garden, and things are going good. They are naked. They run around naked. They not worry about mosquitoes. They eat fruit salad. They're petting cheetahs and leopards. Right? Riding on elephants, probably. Life is good. They got no problems. There are no sin in the world. They're not worried about starvation. They're not worried about their job or the boss, right? They have no marital conflicts. Like, life is good. But all God said is, here's what I think back of this. He said, I want you to believe me in that if you eat this fruit, you'll die. And I want you to believe me in that I put you here to be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and take dominion. So the only way their faith could be oriented at all was around purpose because they didn't have problems. So when we see faith in its purest form, now let me, I'm gonna call a timeout. If you have a problem, you should trust God. Cast all your cares, Peter says. Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden come and I will give you rest, right? If you have a problem, please trust God with it. I'm talking about raising the roof though because there is a level of faith that trusts God with my problems but there is a level of faith that will trust God with my purpose. Are you with me? So going back over here to purpose. And so when you see faith in its purest form introduced in scripture, in Genesis, faith is, is centered on purpose. It is fixed to purpose. It is oriented around purpose, not problems, because there weren't problems yet. And so I'm saying in, in our lives, in our lives, what if faith is not supposed to be like break the glass when, 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 when the excrement hits the rotary device, break the glass and use faith? What if that's not the intention of faith? 
What if faith was really about trusting God in our purpose, trusting God for what he put inside of us, trusting God for, for, for his ability to use? What if faith is not about what God can do in my life, but what God could do through my life? What if that's really where faith is supposed to be aimed and focused? Not that there's anything wrong, obviously a problem. And, and so to me, that's what I love about these four men is they had faith that went beyond their problems into their purpose. And they said, hey, we got to get Baba Ray or, or Ray Ray or Ramon or Reginald, just depending on your orientation. Or, and then it's, we got to get him to Jesus. <laughs> I'm a redneck, so it's Bubba Ray. Right, Bubba Ray. And we say, we got to get Bubba. And, and, then, and then I thought about there's a scripture, First John, that I love. I love so much because I just, I, it's one of the first ones that I, I, I learned to quote. I remember as a, as a, as a young preacher, because it's a good one to throw out there. Because it says, um, John's talking um, and he says, for everyone who is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, I love that scripture. I love that. I think John, man, he nailed that one. Everything born of God overcomes the world. You want to know how you're going to overcome? All you got, if you're sitting there and it's in question, like, I don't know if I'm going to win. I don't know if I'm going to overcome. Just ask yourself, am I born of God? Because there's only one option. If you're born of God, you're going to overcome. Are you with me? But here's, here's, here's the thought that I had. Most of the time when we use that scripture, and me too, me too. Most of the time when I've used that scripture and you use that scripture, it has been in response to or reaction to something that went wrong. A problem, a diagnosis, a bill, um, uh, you know, a family situation, a work situation, whatever, marriage, whatever. And, and, and when, when it hits you, it becomes a defensive scripture, right? Like I'm under attack, something's going on. This thing has, has run off the rails, but I want to thank God everything born of God overcomes the world. And, and I have this thought, I have this thought. What if, going back to Genesis, what if faith was never intended to be a defensive strategy, but what if it was supposed to be an offensive weapon? And, and, and what if, what if instead of, and because here's what I thought, we want to be consistent in our relationship with God, but most of the time, when do we get close to God? When the fit hits the shan, right? And so, and so it's like the fit hits the shan, it's like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then God moves and we're like, woo, mountaintop praise, mountaintop. I ran out of that grave, you know, and we're like, oh, Jesus, woo. And there we go. And then it's like, things are kind of okay. We go, okay, guys. And then there's another problem. Jesus! But what if the consistency in your walk with God is the fact that your purpose never diminishes, the gifts of callings of God are without repentance, and if I were trusting God in purpose, it would be constant and consistent, and it would regulate my relationship with God where I knew Him more as, as just the, the phone a friend when it goes wrong, but I would know Him as a partner to change the world. And it would be offensive that God and I are on the offense. I may be trusting God for my marriage, but I'm going to go out and help somebody with their marriage. I'm going to find the neighbors down the street that keep cussing each other out in the front yard and make them dinner and see if I can help them. I'm going to lend them some of my faith. I'm going to raise the root beyond my problem into somebody else's. My God, this is good preaching. <sighs> I'm about to put the stink face on it right there. You got to be Pentecostal to understand that. I'm just saying, what, what if faith, what if faith is really about being on offense? Didn't Jesus say when, when he said, hey, who do you say that I am? And some people, they're like, well, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah and some, you know, a prophet. And, and, and he said, but who do you say? Who do you say that I am? Because your faith is about who you say he is, not about who someone else says he is. Are you with me? Are you with me? And, and, and so it doesn't matter who your wife thinks he is, sir. It's about who you say he is. 
right? There's not, there's not visitor passes in heaven. Are you with me? All right, so anyways. Um, <laughs> but he looks at, at Peter and Peter says, I'm saying you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, on this, on this rock, this revelation, who you say he is. Because God can only be in your life who you say he is. Are, are you with me? But he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And there are some people that have made that, oh yeah, we're the defense. But I don't know, have y'all ever seen a gate move? I mean, like a gate was in one place and then it got up the next day and went... No, gates are stationary. Gates are put there to defend. What he's saying is your faith is the offense. Hell's actually on the defense. The church is on the offense. But we're, we're all cowered down in bunkers called churches waiting on the next attack from hell instead of getting out and going out there and moving the gates of hell forward because we have faith for somebody else. That's all right. Let's have us some fun. So, so faith is better driven by purpose than by problems. Here's, here's, the, here's the second thing. Write this down. Um, faith doesn't end with an attempt. It ends with an answer. Here's what I love about it. All right, check this. It says, verse four, since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and they lowered the man through it. Since they couldn't, now, now imagine how, dis, just imagine the scene. There's four guys. They got to go find their, their, their quadriplegic friend, their paralyzed friend. And, and they, so they come to Bubba Ray. <clears throat> Bubba Ray, let us tell you about this man, Bubba Ray. He is bad to the bone. Like we have heard some things. See, that's another thing that's presupposed in the text. It doesn't say where their faith come, came from. We just assumed they had heard Jesus was in town and they had heard that he was able to do extraordinary things. Faith comes by hearing. By the way, so does fear. It always is very important who you want to listen to will determine the faith that you have. And that's why it's important that you have some friends who speak faith to you instead of some friends who speak fear and doubt to you because whatever you listen to is going to determine what you can believe God for. Bubba Ray, we got to get you to this man, Bubba Ray. And of course, Bubba Ray's in there. He's like, I can't, you know. I can't do nothing. <laughs> Bubba Ray, we're going, and I think the whole time they're coming to Jesus, like, Bubba Ray, this man's going to change your life. Bubba Ray, today is a new day. Because, you know, this is why you need a life group. Because you need some people that can fill you up with faith when you don't. Sometimes you got to borrow somebody else's faith. Are you with me? <laughs> Bubba Ray, you may not have any faith. Because you know what else is missing in this text? It is true that, that, that there's no reference to their problems. There's also no reference to Bubba Ray's faith. This man gets an, a, an extraordinary miracle and it never one time mentioned that he believed God, trusted God, even thought about God. It never one time mentions his faith. It only mentions the faith of his friends. Are you with me? Yeah. Bubba Ray, we're going to loan you some faith, Bubba Ray. And so here they are. They're, and you know, you know, they're like, they're pumping him up. This is your day. It ain't never going to be the same. What size shoe you wear, bro? We're going to get you some J's. We're going to hoop it up. And then they get there and they can't even get to the house because there's a crowd. Now, how sad would it have been if they said, well, we tried, Bubba Ray. We just didn't get here. You know, Bubba Ray probably been nice. Um, you know, I, I hope you can live with disappointment. But see, faith, faith doesn't stop at an obstacle. I think, I think obstacles actually authenticate our faith. Because it may have been wishful thinking until you run into an obstacle. Then you're going to find out if it's faith or not. Are you with me? Like, I thought it was faith, and then it's like, oh, it's crowded, Bubba Ray. We're going to come back tomorrow. <laughs> and sometimes, isn't it true? Sometimes in our lives, sometimes in our lives, we pray, 
And then if it doesn't happen the way we think it's supposed to happen, when we think it's supposed to happen, we give up on it. And so many times we're trying to believe God, but in our believing God and in our infinite, um, in our infinite persons and, and infinite capacities, we start, we, not infinite, finite. Let me, we are not infinite Jesus. He is infinite. We are finite. But in our finite, I knew that didn't sound right. But, but in our finite ways of thinking and understanding, isn't it true that sometimes we kind of back up and say, well, God's going to move by this time or he's going to move this way. Right. And when it doesn't happen that way, we, we let all of our faith leave. And we say, man, because they thought we're just going to bring him into the house and Jesus is going to, you know, put it, put it on him. Right. And then we're going to all go down and play some hoops. You know, like we find like we, we're entered into the, to the five man basketball tournament. And this is our center. We got to get him up, man. And so. Right. The Bible through my eyes. It's a dangerous place. All right. And so and so wouldn't it be sad if they got there and thought, oh, man. I guess we're just playing fours today. Uh-uh. Because we found out these men really had faith. Because when they looked and they thought, all right, we can't get in. But bro, you scared of heights. I mean, if we dropped you, would you feel it? Oh, that's so wrong, y'all. That's so wrong. And they looked and they said, you know what? Because here's the thing. Here's, faith doesn't stop with good intentions because faith is focused on divine intervention. Are you with me? It doesn't just stop when it sees an obstacle. No, the obstacle is what refines it, right? The obstacle is what proves the faith is there and proves it in the testing of it. Like you may have been praying, you may have been believing, and now it looks like it's too late. That's okay. Mary and Martha thought it was four days too late, but Jesus was saying, no, no, I just got to the party. Faith is, faith, listen, faith is persistent. It doesn't stop. It is persistent. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. Um, think about blind Bartimaeus. I love this. There's a story, a guy named blind Bartimaeus. He's called blind Bartimaeus because his name was Bartimaeus and he was blind. So on his Instagram, it's blind Bartimaeus. And so, um, but he ain't blind no more. But anyways, but, but he's on the side of the road and, and he hears that Jesus is coming. So there's faith. Faith comes by hearing, right? By the way, faith comes by hearing, not having heard. Tomorrow's victory can't be won on yesterday's word. You got to get you a fresh word today. I feel like I'm just dropping bombs. Like, and, and so blind Bartimaeus, he can't, you know, obviously can't see, but he hears. And then all of a sudden he thinks, I bet Jesus could help me. But he can't get to him. He doesn't know where he's at. He just knows he's coming somewhere near. So he just starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Jesus, son of David. And all of a sudden people are like, shh, 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 shh. Shh. Like he ain't got time to deal with you. He's too important. Well, well, he can't find him by himself. He's blind. Nobody's trying to help him out, right? But he said, you know what? I'm not going to let him shush me. Because faith is okay with being uncomfortable. And everybody around me may be telling me it's time to stop, but I'm not going to stop because I'm not, I'm not ending this thing with a good intention, right? I'm going to see God's intervention in my life. And so he just cries out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And by the way, faith is okay with making other people uncomfortable too. Are you with me? I'm sorry, you write your own story. I'm writing mine. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. <laughs> it was persistent because faith doesn't stop. It doesn't stop at the obstacles. It finds another way. It keeps pressing in. And remember, in this filter, in this filter of lending our faith, in this filter of raising the roof in, into purpose, faith and purpose, 
I thought, what must it have felt like for this paralyzed man? Because let's take it from his view. He, he, he comes and he's like, you know, what's the problem? Because he can't move, right? And they're like, man, there's a huge crowd. And what if all of a sudden he thinks, man, they brought me all this way and now they can't get me there. And he thinks, are they going to give up on me? And what must it have felt like when they said, we're going on the roof. We brought you this far. We're not leaving you now. We're not going to leave up on you. And I wondered how many people out there need somebody with them that says, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep praying. I'm partnered up with you. You can keep borrowing my faith till your faith gets strong. But how many in here are so glad somebody didn't give up on you? They didn't stop praying for you. They didn't stop believing for you. Right? Because faith doesn't end with an attempt. It presses into an answer. Now, here's the last thing. Write this down. Faith isn't seen by its swagger. It's seen by its sweat. Right? Faith isn't seen by its swagger. It's it's seen by its sweat. Look at verse 5. I love this. Remember, there is no mention of of Bubba Ray. We're going to know him as Bubba Ray. (laughs) Bubba Ray is getting famous today. There is no mention of Bubba Ray's faith. But verse five says this, when Jesus saw their faith, he is talking about the faith of the four friends. When he saw their faith. Now let's back up and just look at these four words. Jesus saw their faith. Can you see faith? kind of a crazy question because the answer is no and yes. Right? Like, I hate to tell you this. If you didn't answer on that one, there's no way you could have got it wrong. Merry Christmas. Because you could have said yes or you could have said no and either way I'd said yep. Are you? But it says Jesus saw saw their faith. But can you see my faith? Can I see your faith? See, I, I, love, I love that we got Christian swag. Like, it's popular. Like, you know, I mean, we, we, get, we get crosses on, around our necks, and, 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 and then we make our daily Instagram post with our, with our Bible, with a verse highlighted, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own, say always knowledge, with a little coffee mug. Right. And, 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 then, and then you take a little picture and you put it on Instagram, just having breakfast with Abba. Now, I'm all for breakfast with Abba. You know what I mean? Not the band, you know, God. Not Dancing Queen. I'm talking about. I'm all for it. But I'm just saying, we put the fish on our car. We learn the phrases. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Chewed your nails off all night last night. But somebody asked you at church how you, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Isn't it funny how in in religious circles, we think that honesty undermines faith? I'm just saying, this is not my notes, maybe it'll help you, but um, belief is is not denial. If we'd asked Bubba Ray, he would have told us he was paralyzed. If we would have asked his four friends, they would have said, Bubba Ray can't walk. Because remember, we're rednecks, right? <laughs> and, and sometimes we think honesty undermines faith. You can believe God and still be honest about what's going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just, anyways. So, but we, we have Christian swag. We got the t-shirt, right? We got the necklace. We got, we got the stuff. We got the little fish on our car, right? Which, by the way, that's, that sign was actually created for one Christian to identify another under persecution. Because while they'd talk, they would draw the little squiggly line. And if the other person stepped up in the sand and drew the other corresponding line, that meant they were both believers. <clears throat> so it wasn't a sign to let people know you were a Christian. It was a sign to find out who your brothers and sisters were. And some of you drive them like, like a bat out of Hades with a fish on the back of your car. <laughs> 
Anyways, we got our Christian swag. But, but faith is not seen by our Christian swag. It is seen, it is seen um, by, by our sweat. And, and what I love is in Mark's gospel, the word faith. Now, Mark's gospel, the way he relates his gospel is, is, is like from event to, it's like scenes of a movie. It's like action scenes, like and scene, and scene, and scene. That's why you see a lot of in Mark's gospel, suddenly, suddenly, immediately, right? Because he has given us, like he is, he is just, what Mark is doing is kind of like a reporter. He is reporting what he saw or, or what people had, had seen Jesus do. And then he wants you to draw your own conclusion. So he sets it up and he's like, and seen, and he healed the blind man, and he, and he healed the one with the issue of blood, and he, you know, and seen. And, and so with that, he uses faith really only five times because he is more setting scenes and, and displaying or, or, or recounting what happened? So he only uses um, the Greek word for faith five times, but four, one is an explanation, but four out of the five, it is always something that was seen. That's how we know there was faith. And, and I realized that faith is an action I can see in response to a belief I can't see. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can't see what I hope for. But yet it has a substance. There's something you can see. It, it, faith is a substance thing over an evidence of what is not seen. You, if you can't see it, come on, you can't see it. But you can see evidence. So there's a belief and a trust that you can't see. But faith is the action you can see that comes out of the belief and the trust that you can't see. And so they had belief and trust. They had heard some things about Jesus and there was something inside of them we couldn't see. But when they opened up the roof and lowered Ray Ray down, or Bubba Ray, they lowered Bubba Ray down. All of a sudden, Jesus said, I, can, I see you. That's what he said. I see you. I see your faith. I see what you're doing here. And it says, and when Jesus saw their faith, because can I tell you something? Faith, real faith, is going to produce some sweat. Right? Remember what, what James says? He's like, he's like, show me your faith by what you don't do. I'm going to show you my faith by what I do. Right? Because really what he's saying is I can't see your faith till you do something. Right? You may have belief and trust, but I'm looking for faith. And faith without, he said, faith without corresponding action, one version says. Faith without corresponding action is dead faith. And so if there's faith, there's corresponding action to it. Here's what I'm saying. It's one thing to stand in church and say, God, I just trust you're going to send me the right man. But if you leave church and swipe right on Tinder again, trying to find him, that wasn't. Right? Like it's one thing to say, God, I'm just trusting you to prosper, um, prosper me financially. But if you won't actually budget. I'm just, are, right? God, I'm just trusting you to, to work in my marriage. But will you go to counseling? Will, will you put a little sweat with your swag? Because you can get in life group and talk about how you need to believe God for your husband. But what are you doing about it? Besides telling him he needs to change. Come on, somebody. You can talk around the, the water fountain all day about your terrible boss and how terrible he is, but are you praying? Are you being a light in a dark place? Are you believing God to impact his life through your faithfulness? Come on, somebody. Are you putting a little sweat with your swag? It's one thing to get around. Yeah, I just believe God's got a plan for my life. But are you taking steps? For God to use you. Like, oh, I believe God's going to use me to touch the nations. You won't even sign up to be on the serve team to greet at the front door. Okay, that's enough of that. That's what I like about the woman with the issue of blood. Because when you read that text, I love it because it says she heard, then she thought, then she said. Now there's faith right there, right? But now that, well, I should say, that's belief. That's where it starts. But then this woman who has been bleeding, right, 
for, for, for 12 years, a flow of blood. Obviously, her body would be depleted. Um, obviously, she would be weak. And, and then the law said she has to stay in her house. She's not allowed to go out. And if she goes out, she's got to tell everybody she's unclean. She can't touch anybody, can't touch anything. Right? And this is predicament. But she said, she heard, she thought, and she said, if I could just touch. And she leaves her house. Now, Jesus is in a hurry because he is headed to a man's house whose daughter is sick and dying. So, so we have a group of men who are moving fast and a woman with a 12-year issue who is moving slow. And somehow she catches them crawling between their legs in the dirt to grab Jesus' garment. Then he says, your faith has made you whole. What made her whole? Because she put some sweat with her swag. She could have stayed at home and said, I'm believing someday if I see Jesus, maybe he'll do something. But she said, no, if I'll get out of this house and if I'll head down that road and if I'll find them, there's a crowd. I'll just go. I can't get through. I'll find another way. I'll walk through their legs. I'll crawl on the ground because if I can just get to Jesus, everything's going to change, right? It wasn't her swag that healed her. It was her sweat. That's why we see faith. Are you with me? This man's life wasn't changed because his friends said they had faith. His life was changed because his friends showed they had faith. Now, now one more, you got time for one more thing? I'll go fast. So here we are, the four men. Bubba Ray, you okay with heights? Now we know architecturally it wasn't a pitched roof. It was a flat roof. It would have had wooden beams and then smaller branches and then it would be packed with clay and they'd probably have a little lean-to up top because it's arid, it's dry, it's hot and sometimes at night they would go up on the, on the roof to sleep because it was cooler up there. So, and, and then some people say, well, where'd they find a ladder? There wasn't a ladder. Typically there was a staircase because they went on the roof to, to cool off at night or to look at the stars or whatever. So, so they grab, they grab Bubba Ray, and they had enough right now talking about sweat uh, traditionally a, a paralyzed person would have been carried by two people so if you study the text and you find that it took four it means Bubba Ray was healthy so you talk about sweating they're doing some work for Bubba Ray right they're working hard and they get him up there and then they got to dig through the roof right this is all about sweat right no wonder Jesus said, see, no wonder the word of God records, seeing their faith. Because he's like, they got that man up there, dug through the roof while I'm preaching, and then lowered that man down without dropping him. Like they're sweating it out. That's why I said Jesus saw their faith. Here's what's, here's what's so cool, though, is, is the tremendous. I know this is not, I don't, want to, I don't want to be selfish, but I want you to understand something. That, that when, when I lend my faith to someone, when I believe with and for someone, sometimes God will show me things he wouldn't show me any other way. That, that it wouldn't be seen in just my problems, but it was solved because I got involved in theirs. Now think about this. You got, you got to think about this. They, they lower him down because why? He's paralyzed. What are they thinking? Jesus is going to heal him. Everybody tracking. Lower him down. Jesus, obviously a smart person. Lower him down. And he gets in front of Jesus and Jesus stops his sermon, which you know was good. And Jesus, seeing their faith, because just, just read it like you never read it. What do you think's coming next? Jesus, seeing their faith, Goes, be healed. Wow. No, Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, if I'm one of the guys up there, I'm like, what he had said? Because I mean, sweat's pouring down my face. I'm still holding Bubba Ray and he a big boy. What did he say? He said his sins are forgiven. What's it got to do about his sins? I'm about to drop him. You better catch him, Jesus. 
Word of God said you put your angels around us so we wouldn't <laughs> dash our foot against the stone. You're about to catch Bubba Ray because I can't hold him no more. And here was what's amazing. They believed God to be a healer. They believed Jesus to be a healer. But they didn't know Jesus could heal your soul. And because they lent their faith and because they put their faith into purpose and not just problems, they got to see a revelation of Jesus they would have never seen any other way. And can I tell you, that is the greatest thing about being a life group leader or the greatest thing about being on the serve team or the greatest thing about being a pastor. One of the greatest things, I get to hear all the stories about what Jesus did in everybody else's life that we're believing with and walking with and, and believing God for. And all of a sudden, I have seen over the years, God reveal himself in so many, and I'll be like, I didn't know he could do that. Jesus reveals himself in so many ways as we are trusting and believing as our faith is oriented around purpose. We get to see God work in people's lives in ways that, that there wasn't an opportunity necessarily for him to work. And that's what makes us better. And that's why we can believe. And that's what makes us stronger is as we come together and you see God work in my life one way and I see God work in your life another way. And then we find a couple that's far from God and we try to bring them to God and we see God working in their life and their marriage and their finances and their kids. And it, it just refines and strengthens the faith that we have as we see Jesus revealing himself in so many different ways as we trust God together as we believe God for others come on somebody can you raise the roof on your faith and believe God for somebody else that's what I want I want us to believe God I want us to be a church that not just says we have faith, but shows we have faith. And I want us to be the people that today you find the neighbor that you know is struggling and you become their friend and lend them your faith. You find the person you know is, is dealing with whatever they're walking through and you lend and you, you say, I'm gonna believe. I want you to go outside of yourself, outside of your house, right? Outside of your neighborhood, outside of your cubicle. And I want you to find someone else that you can believe with or believe for. I want you to orientate, orient, I want you to, to wrap your, <laughs> I want you to wrap your faith around purpose, anchor it in purpose, and not just problems. I want you to raise the roof. Amen. Come on, can you do that? Can you believe God for somebody else? Why don't you stand with me?